from the Worcester News from Friday the 3rd of March until today, March the 9th, in conjunction with the Worcester News and Equipment Services for the Visually Impaired. My name is Kate and bringing you the news this evening are Sue and Janet and our engineer is Barry. The admin and copying team are led by Carol Hartle, who we are very grateful to for getting the sticks out to you. And uh, any news that you wish to um, uh, pass on to us or any comments, please don't hesitate to ring and uh, we will reply to everything. As always, we will be telling you the headline stories for each day uh, and further interesting articles that have been in the paper as well. There'll be entertainment from the theatres and local sport. And we start, of course, by looking at the birthday book. But actually, I have looked at that and there aren't any birthdays this coming week. So we will not be doing that. Um, <clears throat> we welcome all new listeners, of course. You're warmly welcome. And uh, we would like to know your birthday. And then we can put you on our birth in our birthday book. Because we do like to wish you happy birthday when we can. We'll give you useful telephone numbers. Sunrise and sunset, so that you know when, when to uh, put lights on and so on. And all of this service is free to you, of course, and does include, uh, as well as the newspaper, regular magazines and over a thousand talking books which are available to you. We welcome your comments, good or not so good, and uh, we will uh, endeavour to improve or change our service accordingly uh, with what you might say. All right, I'm going to start with the telephone numbers um, that you might find useful. I know this happens every week, but I, th I do think sometimes these are very important and that they do matter. Our telephone number here in Wilds Lane is 01905 767766. The police non-emergency number is 101. The NHS direct number is 111. Out of hours medical assistance is 0300 one two three three two one one and that's between six and eight pm crime stoppers is o eight hundred five 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 one 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 worcester hub o one nine oh five seven six five seven six five worcestershire county council here to help O one nine oh five seven six eight oh five three and ask for option three when you get through to that uh, number. Community risk team, that's fire safety, that is O eight hundred O three two one one five five. The domestic abuse helpline is O eight hundred nine eight O three 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 one. Uh, Worcester Samaritans is 116123 and that is a free number. Worcester Theatres 01905 611427. Malvern Theatres 01684 892277. Uh, and uh, the uh, oh, Western Power National Grid uh, for any power cuts. Uh, is um, oh, where is that gone? 
I've lost the number for that. Oh dear, that won't do, will it? I'll have to give you that at later. Oh, I have got it. I'm sorry. Um, it's 1572. Listen to instructions and press 1. And then press 1 again afterwards. So those are the telephone numbers that may help you uh, if you should need anything. Now I'll ask Sue if she will do sunrise and sunset so you know about lighting. So uh, sunrise at the moment is 7.14am and sunset is 17.33pm. So it is getting a bit lighter in the mornings, which is nice. Mm, that's good, isn't it? And now, Janet, would you like to tell us about the entertainment that's available to us in the yes, next week? Yes, At Malvern, there's <coughs> a new musical called The Fisherman Friends. Now, I've seen the films and they're very funny. Um, mm. And this is Tuesday the 21st to the Saturday, Saturday the 25th of March at Malvern. Then number eight is the Royal Opera doing Turandot and that's Wednesday the 22nd of March at 7.15. Tickets there are £17, seniors 16 and that's it. And then, hello again, a tribute to Neil Diamond. That's Saturday the 25th of March and that's a tr celebration um, of Neil Diamond's work. Now we go to the um, Norbury at Droitwich. Um, Saturday the 25th of March is the Neil Coley Big Band live in concert. That sounds rather good. Uh, tickets are £15 and it starts at 7.30. Um, did I say? Yes, it's the Saturday the 25th of, of March. And then we're going into April then. Um, where there's an ABBA sens sensation, that's the 1st of April, which looks good. Then we've got Worcester Theatres, um, Feast of Fiddles, uh, that's Thursday the 23rd of March at 7.30, and as suggested, there's loads of fiddle playing there. Now, also, Wednesday the 22nd of March, there's um, Henry Blofeld, He's got um, a talk here, and I've got something to read about him here. Uh, legendary cricket commentator and broadcaster Henry Blofeld OBE will feature in a new show coming to Worcester. Henry will share tales of treasured moments and people past and present while looking, over, looking ever forward to more fun and games as he returns to the crease. During COVID and being confined to the pavilion gave Henry the opportunity to spend more time with his loved ones, to reconnect with his Norfolk roots and to reflect on his truly extraordinary life. Not one to idle away the time. He wrote two books. The latest, Ten to Win, was published in September 2021 and his book, Over and Out, was shortlisted for Cricket Book of the Year at the British Sports Book Awards. He recorded a daily pod vodcast for the 2021 tests and made a 90-minute film for streaming called At Home with Henry. In these charming, honest and hilarious pieces, he shared reminiscences, cricketing memorabilia and life over the generations on the family estate. Henry will bring his show, My Dear Old Things, to Huntingdon Hall on Wednesday, March the 22nd. 
Henry said, I can't tell you how excited I am to be getting back onto the stage after nearly three years. It will be a lively mixture of making the real Marigold Hotel and almost 50 years with Test Match Special. We will have huge fun and I can't wait to see you all there. The event is being run in aid of the charity Chance to Shine, who aim to give all children the opportunity to play, learn and develop through cricket. You can find out more <coughs> about them at www.chancetoshine.org. For further dates, venues and additional shows, you can find out more and book your tickets online at www. Simonfelder.com. Right, and that's that's the end of the the um, Thank entertainment. Thank you very much, Janet. That's okay. very kind of you. Now we'll start with the headlines for the week, and Sue will start with uh, last Fridays. So this was um, from Friday, March the third, and the headline is "City Pub Boss Betrayed Trust." The manager of a city pub who stole thousands from a safe could soon be behind, be behind bars. Jamie King was put in charge of banking the takings at the Cardinal's Hat in Friar Street but went on to steal more than £3,000. Owen Beale, prosecuting, said the 32-year-old was employed by pub landlord Nigel Smith as the unit manager. Mr Beale said... A bookkeeper found there were shortages between December the 28th, 1921 and February the 23rd, 2022. The prosecutor explained when King was challenged, he claimed to have banked the money. There was a banking slip which he produced. It was not stamped, Mr Beale said. He was in a position of responsibility. There was a high degree of trust breached. It was his job to bank it, and he simply did not. Mr Beale said in total £3,350 was stolen. A victim personal statement from the landlord of the Friar Street pub was read out to the court in which he said, This is not something I expect from a member of staff, especially one who has had such positive referrals from previous employers. During the hearing at Worcester Magistrates Court yesterday, King of Fortuna Way, Kempsey, admitted theft by an employee and also breaching a community order given to him in July 2021. Vaughan Wistance, defending, said as soon as it became a police matter, King had accepted his guilt in police interview. He said the money King took was used to pay for legal representation in a case in which King was accused of a serious offence. Mr Wistance added, King not only lost his job as a result of the offending, but also lost accommodation as he lived above the pub and had to leave. Magistrates considered if the case needed to be sent to the Higher Crown Court for sentence and after lengthy deliberations, Susan Mitchell, chairman of the magistrates' bench, announced the bench had found their sentencing powers were insufficient. The chairman told King he had breached the trust by taking money to benefit himself. The chairman ordered an all-options 
um, pre-sentence report for King, which means he could be jailed. The defendant was told to attend Worcester Crown Court on Thursday, March the 30th for sentencing. King, who was given unconditional bail, was also told the breach matter would come before Worcester Magistrates Court on March 31st. Three men have been jailed for their roles in a ferocious gang attack in which the victim had his face hacked by a machete. Usman Multani, his younger brother Kasim and Shahinul Alam were finally brought to justice at Worcester Crown Court on Friday, March the 3rd. The three have been found guilty of grievous bodily harm after a trial. Usman Multani, 28, of Westminster Road, Bronxwood, Kassam Multani, 24, also of Westminster Road, and Shahanel Alam, 22, of Ivor Road, Sparkhill, took part in the attack, which took place in the early hours of November the 24th, 2019, outside the St John's Ambulance Building in Wilds Lane. Prosecutor Peter Glenser, KC, reminded Judge Nicholas Cartwright of the horrifying attack in which the victim, Owes Salim, suffered a fractured skull and a bleed on the brain. Mr Glenser said the victim suffered flashbacks to the incident and said Mr Salim will have scarring to his face that will always be visible. He added the victim had also suffered chest pains, panic attacks and had low self-confidence as a result of the attack. Mr Glenser said the group had pre-planned the attack in which they set upon the victim with a baseball bat and a machete. In the run-up to the attack, there had been escalating tensions between two groups, the Multani group from Ronxwood that included Luke Bridger and a Zahid Ali group he added, there were persons involved in this attack not yet brought to justice. Michael Newport, defending Usman Multani, said he had not been there at the start of the attack, adding he had a lesser role. She, Stella Harris, defending Kasim Multani, said there were no aggravating features <coughs> and he had been a man of previous good character. She added, Kasim Mutani was passing his time in custody in a constructive way. Mr Kamish, defending Alam, said he, Alam, was not involved in any feud which gave rise to the attack. He was recruited four hours before the attack as extra muscle. Sentencing the three, three Judge Cartwright said it had been a ferocious revenge attack on the victim. He, the victim, is very fortunate the blow to the head was not life-changing or life-limiting, possibly even fatal. Judge Cartwright said, Judge, Judge Cartwright said an aggravating factor for all three defendants was the attempt to conceal and dispose of evidence to cover their tracks. The three defendants stared straight ahead as the judge told Usman Multani he was being jailed for 11 years, Kassam Multani for nine years and Alam for six years. The judge also made a 25-year restraining order for the three, preventing any contact with the victim. Prior to the hearing, Usman Multani admitted four counts of drug dealing. He admitted three counts of being concerned in the supply of 
Class A drugs, heroin <coughs> and cocaine between May the 9th, 2019 and April 22. Rusman Montoni also admitted being concerned in the supply of a Class 2 drug, cannabis, between September 2016 and February 2018. Usman Montani will need to return to Worcester Crown Court for sentencing. And the headline on Monday, March the 6th, was What a Whiff! Shoppers' foul stench is making them feel sick at the supermarket. Shoppers are avoiding a city supermarket due to a foul stench at the entrance. Worcester news readers say the disgusting odour at the Tesco superstore on Millwood Drive, Warnden Villages, makes them feel sick. It has been described as like rotten sewage. The store says its maintenance team is working to solve the issue and a parish councillor has stressed it provides a vital, vital service in the community. But for some shoppers it is all too much. Dean Bowcutt of Cobden Avenue previously raised issues with the foul smell plaguing shoppers at the supermarket in 2017 and the bad smell has returned with Mr Bowcott saying it is at its worst by the entrance of the supermarket. He said we were in there yesterday and said the smell had come back as bad as ever. Despite their denials it seems strange that the smell is at its worst by the entrance near the toilets and that also means it is by the exposed fresh fruit and vegetables. It is just a 10 minute walk from us, but the smell stops us shopping there, except for the occasional drop in for some tinned produce. We do our main shop at Tesco St Peter's and Aldi St Peter's instead. <coughs> On our Facebook page, Tracy Winter said she never goes in there due to the smell making her feel sick. She said it has always smelt bad, but I never go there now. It made me feel so ill. Sarah Lane shared her sympathy for the staff that have to work with the smell all day. She said it has always smelt badly in there and I feel for the staff that have to work with that smell. However, Warnton County <coughs> Councillor Andy Roberts defended the store. He said, my wife and I are daily visitors here and I speak to the manager regularly. This supermarket fits into the community very well. There are always going to be issues but I have every faith they will resolve it as quickly as they can. Hannah Sprocket said the smell by the fresh fruit and vegetables is disgusting. She said it's been like that for years. I'm glad it's finally out there as they might do something about it now. I stopped using the place years ago and I can't be doing with raw sewage smells by fresh fruit and vegetables. Joe Hicklin added it smelt like rotten sewage inside the shop. In 2017 shoppers at Tesco also complained that the smell was so disgusting they were walking straight back out of the supermarket. A spokesperson for Tesco at the time confirmed the issue was caused by underfloor piping and that despite the foul, foul smell, the supermarket had no hygiene issues or concerns about food or customer health. And this is the um, headline for Tuesday, March the 7th. And it's Nightmare Roadworks Return. Drivers have faced long delays on a major city road, a problem which always occurs when temporary lights are installed, according to a city councillor. Queues have been building up from Barbourne Road in Worcester, with traffic lights in place near Gallivelt Park. Drivers have called the road a nightmare, with the works causing delays of up to 45 minutes, sometimes for bus services.
The lights are due to Seven Trent Water, carrying out work, repairs and maintenance work in the area. Councillor Jenny Barnes, Worcester City Councillor for Arboretum Ward, said the road is all, always comes very congestive whenever there are temporary lights. Councillor Barnes said it is an <coughs> arterial route, so whenever there are issues and temporary lights are needed, the road always fills very quickly with traffic. Barbourne Road is one of the major roads in the city, used for commuting to work and also access lots of other areas in and out of the city. Barbourne has lots of adjoining roads as well, which often have their own roadworks ongoing. Although this does not cause much of an issue on the face of it, it still contributes to drivers not being able to get anywhere very quickly. Councillor Mel Alcott said the road is often congested even when there are not temporary traffic lights or roadworks. A few residents have been in touch expressing their concerns, so hopefully it is finished soon. As well as Barbourne Road, the traffic could also be seen stretching along the Tithing, as well as along Ombersley Road and Droitwich Road, heading into the city centre yesterday morning. The roadworks are scheduled to finish by Wednesday, March the 8th at 4pm. First Worcester previously warned that its 144 and 332 services were both experiencing delays of up to 45 minutes. Worcester newsreaders expressed their frustration over the temporary lights. Ashley James Crackcroft said the result of the traffic has been a nightmare for commuters. He said it was a nightmare this morning, tailbacks as far as Bilford Road. Kevin Allen echoed these comments, saying the traffic has been causing more chaos. He said, yet again, another leak and more traffic lights in Worcester and more chaos. The roadworks first appeared over the weekend with seven Trent engineers on site working to sort out what the water company's website described as a general water supply issue. Worcestershire Highways said seven Trent was fixing a burst water main and added its workers would check on, pro on progress yesterday. The location of a new city secondary school has been revealed. The new 600-place school is set to be built on fields off Newtown Road in Worcester between Worcestershire Royal Hospital and the A4440 Nunnery Way roundabout, according to an early planning document. Worcestershire County Council has not yet submitted a planning application for the new school, but has so far put forward a screening opinion, which determines whether an environmental impact assessment would have to be carried out before the council formally present its plans for approval. The screening opinion also suggests that while the designs are still at an early stage, the school would have two main buildings, sports pitches, and community facilities and that room would be made for the school to at least double in size for 1,200 pupils in the future. The school is still on track to open in 2026 and is expected to reach full capacity by 2030. 
After a long search, the County Council revealed in 2021 it would be building a new 600-strong secondary school in the Newtown Road area of the city and later announced that Oasis Community Learning, which is made up of 52 schools, including Primary School Oasis Academy in Warnden, as the new school's sponsor. The building of the new school was branded controversial by one city head teacher who questions its need and whether £40 million was a waste of money. Neil Morris, head teacher at Christopher Whitehead Language College in Worcester, called out council, council bosses for pushing to build a new secondary school before addressing the existing problems in what he called a broken system. He said a decision to push ahead with the multi-million pound work and build it close to the catchment areas of other struggling schools was controversial to many of the city's other head teachers. We're not sure there's the need. We're not sure there are the prices. And it seems a lot of money, he told councillors at the Guildhall meeting last month. Worcestershire County Council said there was a definite need for more school places in the city and the plans have been drawn up after extensive talks and consultation. It has not yet been revealed what the catchment area is. And the headline this uh, today, Crematorium Dilemma for City. A new city crematorium could open <coughs> as the council investigates Astwood Cemetery's future. Worcester City Council is weighing up its options for the 170-plus-year-old cemetery with the ability to carry out cremations at the site in the balance. Bosses are contending with a mix of ageing furnaces that need to be replaced, falling demand for burial and cremations, and dwindling space. The council is looking to spend £100,000 on a new study into the city's crematorium so it can decide whether the facilities should be improved or replaced and stay at Atwood Cemetery or even moved completely to a new site. The council admits a new crematorium would cost at a significant amount of money and it would be cheaper to stay at a replaced or improved <coughs> Atwood Cemetery. The City Council's Environment Committee meets in the Guildhall on March the 14th to discuss the study, which officers say would give the Council the chance to fully understand its options. The Council facilitates around 1,700 cremations and 100 burials each year at Astwood and St John's. There is a growing need to improve the facilities, but the number of burials and cremations has dropped in the last decade, thanks in part to the opening of new, a new crematorium at Fladbury. Previously, it was the only facility in South Worcestershire, meaning the council has less money than usual for the much-needed work. St John's Cemetery is expected to be full in the next three years, and the council believes Astwood Cemetery only has enough space for the next 10 to 15 years. By law, the City Council is responsible for maintaining and improving existing crematoriums as well as looking after burial records, but is not necessarily obliged to replace Aspid's crematorium or build a new facility elsewhere. The Council also faces the challenge of needing to replace ageing furnaces, which have already exceeded their predicted 25-year lifespan. It believes they will need to be replaced by 2027 at the very latest. 
Astrid's 26-year-old furnaces can now only be repaired by one company and are looked after by a single engineer who is approaching retirement. Emerging government guidance is also likely to force all crematoriums to be fitted with protection against toxins such as mercury that are emitted from incinerators during <coughs> cremations. The City Council has been paying around £30,000 to Cardiff Council for years as part of a burden-sharing scheme because it has been unable to meet the target of ensuring mercury is removed and cleaned up after more than half of its cremations. The money goes to Cardiff as an authority that manages to abate more than its share as a reward or fine, depending on how you look at it, paid for by Worcester as part of a trade for not meeting its targets. The council looked into the installing of the mercury filters in 2018, but ruled out the plan at the time because there was not enough space and the cost was prohibitive. Greg Wallace... <coughs> Alan Titchmarsh and Jay Blades are among the famous faces set to appear at the RHS Morven Spring Festival. The full lineup of special guests for the Three Counties Showground Festival has been confirmed. Former Master Chef host Wallace will take to the new fire and feast stage to share his tips for cooking spatchcock chicken and tikka paneer kebabs. I'm looking forward to this year's RHS Spring Festival and thrilled to be sharing some cooking tips at the new Fire and Feast Theatre, he said. Wallace will be joined on the Fire and Feast stage by Anthony Murphy from the Beefy Boys, the Shropshire Lad, Adam Purnell and TV chef Marcus Bean and many others. This year's Festival Theatre will be hosted by RHS Vice President, Design Ambassador and Gardener's World magazine columnist, James Alexander Sinclair. Joining James on stage over the long weekend will be a special selection of BBC Gardener's World presenters and expert horticulturalists, including Adam Frost, Arit Anderson, Francis Tophill and Sue Kent, as well as all-round gardening guru Alan Titchmarch, MBE. Tophill said, As a regular contributor to RHS shows, I am excited to be revisiting the glorious RHS Malvern visiting, uh, sorry, Spring Festival this May. I'm particularly looking forward to this year's gardening for everyone themed as a sustainable planet, friendly practices are something I am passionate about. Another addition to the festival is the Tips and Tricks stage, which will be hosted by Max McCurdo. Mr McCurdo said, We will be sharing plenty of clever ways to create amazing elements for your home or garden in the Tips and Tricks theatre that won't cost much helping you to get enjoyment from your spaces whilst saving money. Broadcaster Ellen Mary will go will be hosting the new Bloom and Grow. She will be joined by floral designer Jonathan Mosley, the drag queen gardener Tom Leonard, Ben Newell of Worcester ter Terrariums, landscape designer John Wheatley and garden designer Anne-Marie Powell. Tickets for the RHS 
Malvern Spring Festival, which runs from May the 11th to the 14th, start from £25 and can be purchased at www.rhsmalvern.co.uk. A pupil from a Worcester school held a fundraising concert to raise more than £2,000 for children in Ukraine after her family fled the war-torn country. More than 100 people gathered in Perrins Hall at RGS Worcester for the concert organised by Year 10 pupil Sasha Pendington. The concert raised over £2,000 for Save a Child, a charity dedicated to supporting children affected and displaced by the war in Ukraine. The charity provides a temporary care home for those who have been displaced, supporting them with therapy, food, clothes and many other essentials, as well as helping families to retrieve important documents to leave the country and find new places to live. Sasha said, My family in Ukraine were surprised by Russia's attack and were one of the many families who fled to safety, leaving my uncle and many other brave men to fight for their country, either literally or through the resilience of trying to keep important businesses open. Since then, homes have been destroyed and families have been (coughs) torn apart and some parts of the beautiful country of Ukraine have been completely obliterated. To raise funds for this important charity, Sasha arranged for over 20 of her fellow musicians to perform. The Pennington family also provided traditional Ukrainian food for the concert interval. The concert featured music-making by pupils from Year 7 to the Upper Six, completed by a performance from professional violinist Hannah Roper. I wanted to arrange the concert to show solidarity with the people of Ukraine and at the same time raise much-needed funds for our chosen charity, Sasha added. By raising over £2,000, we hope this concert has in some small way achieved both objectives – The success of the event was testament to the talent and generosity of the students and the community's commitment to supporting charitable causes. The funds raised will be hopefully making a difference to the lives of the children in Ukraine, Ukraine affected by the ongoing conflict. Headmaster Mr John Pitt said we would like to give thanks and congratulations to Sasha and all those who participated in this moving fundraising event. We are immensely proud of our pupils for their dedication to making a positive impact in the world. Thank you also to all those who have donated. Your contributions are greatly appreciated. A city centre business has been slammed by a Worcester-based dementia charity for its lack of dementia-friendly signage. John Allen of the Worcester Dementia Action Alliance said the charity has been in conversation with WH Smith regarding signs for its lift. Mr Allen claims that the conversation was sparked after a customer with dementia couldn't find the lift on a visit to the high street shop. He said in February 2022, a conversation about inadequate signage was started between Dementia Action Alliance and WH Smith. Here we are a year on and their Worcester shop signage remains inadequate. 
over a year ago, someone with dementia disease could not find the lift as they wanted to go to the first floor. Their signage was very inadequate. WH Smith boasted that they were committed to customer needs, but they were not. Over a year on, the signage is still inadequate. We at the Worcester DAA hope WH Smith will live up to their boast and <coughs> improve their signage very soon. Mr Allen said he is calling for the signs to be made clearer to help navigate around the shop. He said, I would like WH Smith to make their signage much clearer so that a person is able to find their way to the elevators easily. The signage should be universal in all WH Smith's shops. There is existing knowledge of how to design such signs and they should use that, such as the sign available from the Alzheimer's Society. According to the Alzheimer's Society, dementia-friendly signage can help orientate a person living with dementia and allow them to maintain their independence. These signs can consist of text, images or a combination of both and any text should ideally contrast with the background to be easy to read. A spokesperson for WH Smith said the business is committed to making the store safe and welcoming for all customers. They said, we are sorry to hear that the Worcester Dementia Action Alliance have raised concerns about the customer's signage in our Worcester <coughs> store. WH Smith is committed to providing a safe and welcoming environment for all our customers to shop in. We are in the process of arranging for additional navigational signage in store for the customer lift as soon as possible. A black swan is causing a flap down at the riverside in the city centre, 9,000 miles from its native home. People have been stopped in their tracks by the sight of the rare black swan, which is currently making waves with people walking along South Quay in Worcester. Black swans are native to Australia, but one has made its home on the river in the city centre. The new addition to the bevy of swans on the River Severn is easy to spot among the white feathered birds. Along with its black feathers, the bird also has a distinctive red beak. Philip and Meg Taylor sent in this picture saying, a new addition to the swan family has appeared today on the River Severn in Worcester. We have never seen this rare black swan before. We walk the route around the river every morning and today was the first time we have seen this rare bird. The black swan was spotted around the South Quay and Bromwich Parade area. The black swan or Cygnus atratus is a native bird to Australia but can sometimes be spotted in the European counties like the UK. GP and water cure historian, who was a leading light in the Morvan community, has died at the age of 90. Dr John Harkup, who was made an OBE in 2008, has been described by his family as one of Morvan's great champions. He came to the town as a GP in 1963, setting up a practice with Dr Sinclair, Dr Paler and Dr Holman. Together they erected the first purpose-built medical practice in Worcestershire in Court Road, Barnard's Green, but it was a home visit to one of his patients that ignited an interest that was to last his lifetime. Unaware the doctor was in the room, the patient's daughter arrived carrying water from the Holy Well. There you are, Dad, she said. This will make you better. 
Where have we come to, Dr. Harkup asked his wife and fellow Dr. Mary when he got home. Some of the locals believe in water more than medicine. That sparked a fascination with the water cure and Morven's history that led to the publication of books including What to See in Morven, a guide to the town that has sold more than 70,000 copies and is now on its ninth edition. Other books included The Morven Water Cure, or Victims for Weeks in Wet Sheets, and Portrait of Morven, co-written with Pamela Hurry. He also co-authored The Spa Book, which is still a key textbook for spa professionals. A Word with the Doctor, a weekly column he wrote for several years, was syndicated around the world, and Dr Harkup also produced postcards of Morven with help from his family and from another amateur photographer, Gerald Fox. He was driving, driving force in setting up the Morven Museum, chaired the Morven Spa Association until his death and took great delight in the revival of well-dressing in the town. Dr Harkup also became chairman of the West Midlands branch of the Elgar Society, chairman of Worcestershire Archaeological Society, chairman of the Morven Writers' Circle and president of Morven Civic Society. He joined Morven St John Ambulance as divisional surgeon in 1964, rising to county medical officer between 2002 and 2009. Dr Harkup became President of the History of Medicine section of the Royal <coughs> Society of Medicine as well as President of the Harveyan Society in London and a Livery Committee member of the Society of Apothecaries. He also made TV appearances on Country File, Flog It and Blue Peter often demonstrating one of the water cures more bracing procedures on a character Cowering present, presenter, uh, on a cowering presenter. Dr. Harkup <coughs> is survived by his wife Mary, daughters Joy and Claire, and grand grandchildren Gemma and Ben. Worcester Cathedral will appear in an upcoming episode of The One Show. <clears throat> the popular BBC programme is coming to the historic city landmark to film its animal blessing service later this month. Residents and their furry friends will be invited to take part in All Creatures Great and Small service and you could even feature on the show. It comes after a pet blessing service at Worcester Cathedral went viral after a goat began loudly singing during a previous pet blessing service. <laughs> the One Show production team are looking to speak with anyone with a heartwarming or unusual story about how their pets have impacted their lives. <clears throat> Canon John Paul Hoskins, presenter at Worcester Cathedral, will be conducting the service. He said, we are so pleased to be able to hold our pet blessing service once again this year and so soon after the success of the previous service. Who could forget Pablo the Goat's tremendous singing? Animals make such a difference in our lives. They are part of our families. <clears throat> They're for us in good times and bad and they give us unconditional love. Many people take great pleasure in the companionship of a pet. And for those who have suffered and are grieving, pets can bring great comfort to their owners. We look forward to taking a moment to give thanks and praise for all of our beloved animal companions. 
The service will start at 5.30pm on Thursday, March 30th and last roughly 30 minutes, with the congregation asked to be seated by 5.15pm. Free tickets can be pre-booked by visiting www.worcestercathedral.co.uk, which will allow the cathedral team to manage capacity. Creatures of all shapes and sizes are welcome, and those without a, a um, petter, oh, a petter, sorry, I, <laughs> that means a, an owner, I presume, can attend too, with designated areas for human worshippers and small pets. To express your interest to be interviewed for the one show, please book your tickets in the first instance, then email info at worcestercathedral.org.uk with your story so that they can pass your details onto the one show team. For more information, visit www.worcestercathedral.co.uk dash what's on. And now some details about some sport. Are you a rugby fan? Would you like to play? Well, in March, Worcester Warriors Foundation are holding a rugby festival with the difference. The Warriors Foundation is the charitable arm of the former Premiership Rugby Club Worcester Warriors. They provide accessible and inclusive sport within Worcestershire and the surrounding areas and one of their projects is Blind and V1 Rugby. V1 Rugby is a touch form of rugby and provides a safe environment for those who live with sight loss to try rugby for the first time or get back into it even. Blind Rugby is a contact form of rugby designed at Worcester Warriors and provides a more physical sport for those who enjoyed it previous to their sight loss or who have always wanted to take part but have never had the right environment. If you'd like to get into V1 or Blind Rugby, the festival at the Six Ways Stadium in Worcester on Sunday the 12th of March, that Sunday coming, is just for you. The festival is open to participants and coaches as well and is completely free. The event kicks off at half past ten in the morning and there will be stewards to greet you and direct you to where to go. If you'd like to learn more, you can email Isabel Brick who is the Adapted Sports Coach at Warriors at isabel.brick at warriors.co.uk. That's Isabel with an O and brick as in house. <laughs> or you can phone her on 07772-341-505. Izzy tells us that the festival is the brainchild of Chris Stevenson and you can phone him on 07972-435-102 and that's Stevenson with a PH in the middle. Don't forget Sunday the 12th at Six Ways the invitation to the festival is extended to all those who think they would benefit from it. So if that's something you might like to just go and take part in or see what's going on then good luck. And now I'm going to read um, some um, sport. Worcester City are into the semi-finals of the West Midlands Regional Women's Football League Premier Cup after a convincing 5-1 win over Litchfield City. Holly Congrave's opener inside the opening two minutes put City on their way before Georgia Marrett made it 2-0. Litchfield pulled one back 
but Holly Rogers' goal on the stroke of half-time re-established their two-goal advantage. Rogers scored a second to make it 4-1 and Leah Ritson wrapped up the 20 minutes from time to put City into the final four of the competition. It was the perfect start for the hosts as an early corner from Jess Fassinage was sent deep into the Litchfield box and Congrave got the decisive touch to give City an early lead. It was chaotic, a chaotic opening and Litchfield came close to an equaliser but Alicia Hine was on hand to tip up a header onto the bar. Jen Higgs forced a good save out of Litchfield's keeper's hand before City doubled their lead in the 24th minute when Marrett curled into the top corner. Kirsten Ballard went close as City kept up the pressure before Litchfield pulled themselves back into the game to half the deficit. The game was heading towards a half-time whistle at 2-1, but City's Rogers up a loose ball into the Litchfield box to slam home and make it 3-1. That goal proved crucial as it meant Litchfield had to chase the game and City were able to pick them off. Rogers scored her second of the day ten minutes after the restart following a lovely run and Ritson capped off a brilliant display to make it 5-1 in the 70th minute. After the match, defender... Shona Baldwin said, Having lost last week, we knew we needed to step up and be better and we pulled together. We really needed that win. It was really good to get a win together as a group. Players, staff, supporters as well. We played some really good football and scored some great goals. A lot of players were having to play out of their normal position and I like to think we adapted really well to that that as a team and that speaks volumes of us. Getting to the semis is exactly what we needed to be doing as a club. We will want to take it a step further and get to a final after losing in the semis of the County Cup. I have every faith we can do just that. City will face one of either Shrewsbury Town Foundation women, Crusader women or the winner of Burton Albion Kidderminster Harriers in the semi-final. Seven Stars secured back-to-back wins for the first time this season as they beat Team Bath 67-50. In front of a roaring crowd at the University of Worcester Arena, Stars controlled the game and were able to see off the five-time Super League winners to earn their third victory of the season. The visitors looked ready for battle in the opening stages, converting three early goals. But seven grew into the game on Saturday, March the 4th, and were soon able to cut the deficit through the in-form shooter, Siggy Berger. A series of unforced errors from Bath allowed <coughs> Stars to capitalise. Berger finding space, time and time again as high looping balls from goal attack, Grace Manamara, continued to tear apart the Bath defence. Looking to get themselves back in the game, Bath's Cadine Corbin and Betsy <coughs> Creek attempted to patiently work the ball forward. However, Star's defender, Rebecca Airy, was on hand to intercept as the host went into the second quarter with a 17-12 lead. 
Bath made changes in defence, but Jess, Shaw and Namala continued to threaten while Airy controlled things in the defensive third. With Stars pulling away, Bath looked to their bench with Sophie Kelly and Hannah Passmore, replacing Corbin and Creek. Despite the pair wasting no time in getting involved, Stars took a 30-22 lead at half-term. A half-time. Stars continued where they left off in the third quarter, forcing an early turnover in the goal defence before Berger converted another. A mistake from <coughs> Namana gifted Bath possession, but a misplaced pass from Kirsty Harris allowed Stars to regain the ball and score once again. Bath continued to try and be patient with their play, but Airy was able to read the play well, making an important interception. Stars held a commanding lead at the end of the third quarter, 46-32. With just 15 minutes remaining, Bath increased their tempo as Corbin threaded a long looping ball into Creek, but the ball was met by Joe Tripp, forcing another turnover for Stars. Player stroke head coach Tripp rang, rang the changes to freshen up her side, but they remained composed, capping off a controlled and professional 67 <coughs> to 50 display. Stars, a University of Worcester franchise, Next, face Manchester Thunder at Hope at the University of Worcester Arena on March the 18th. Tickets and more information can be found at www.sevenstars.co.uk. And now back to some other stories from the newspaper. Worcester's MP has urged the council to bid for more funding to help children with special educational needs and disabilities. MP Robin Walker met with Worcestershire Children's First yesterday when he pushed for them to consider expanding specialist provision at Fort Royal School and Regency High School. He has also encouraged WCF to bid for some of the £1.4 billion in capital funding announced at the last spending review. It comes as the government published a white paper which outlines new national standards for, for SEND and alternative provision and aims to produce a less confrontational system for children and parents. Mr Walker said ministers are right to set out to deliver a more dignified experience for children and young people with SEND and to restore families' confidence in the system. I know from my casework that for far too many parents it has felt like a battle to get their children's needs properly identified and met. The white paper sets out a potent mix of new national standards, earlier identification of need and more investment in both mainstream and specialist provision, all of which should help if implemented well. Mr Walker also welcomed the news that Malvern will soon be home to a new autism school. It is one of 33 new special schools that has been approved for funding by the Department of Education. I am delighted that alongside this, at the white paper, one of the 33 new special schools will be in Worcestershire and this will provide an all-through specialist school for autism. I have no doubt that this is needed in our county and I was glad to provide a letter of support for the bid, he said. I congratulate my neighbour, Harriet Baldwin, for all the campaigning she has done to secure this in her patch. 
I will keep working to make sure we have the specialist provision and the support for mainstream schools to meet the needs of SEN pupils that we need in Worcestershire. Mr Walker will speak in Parliament today, this was on Wednesday, to invite ministers to give further evidence on the white paper to the Education Select Committee which he chairs. This week we'll see also see the first session of the committee's inquiry into persistent absence and support for disadvantaged pupils in which the committee will delve into the evidence of what has been keeping more children, especially sent children, away from school in the aftermath of the pandemic. Teenagers have been urged not to get into baby swings after some got stuck making it harder for firefighters to respond to more serious 999 calls. Three children got stuck in the baby swings as part of the TikTok trend in Worcester, Redditch and Lempster in a single evening, sparking warning from a senior officer. <coughs> One of those trapped in the swings was a 13-year-old from Dines Green in Worcester. The swing had to be dismantled to free the teen. The fire service was confirmed. There was also an earlier incident involving a baby swing in Redditch on Tuesday. There have therefore been four similar incidents this week alone. Uh, Deputy Chief Fire Officer Guy Palmer said, Hereford and Worcester Fire and Rescue Service is urging children not to copy the current TikTok trend of getting into swings that are far too small for them. Unfortunately, we have already had to free a number of children from such incidents within the last 24 hours in Lempster, Redditch and Worcester. While it may seem a humorous thing to do, these call-outs <coughs> are taking our resources away from responding to potentially more serious incidents. Similar incidents were reported in Worcester, Redditch and Lempster yesterday evening. The incidents happened with children of a similar age, all within a time period of 2 hours and 20 minutes. A spokesperson for Hereford and Worcester Fire and Rescue Service said the Fire and Rescue Service was called out to Dines Green, Worcester on Thursday at 6.29pm. One crew from Worcester Fire Station attended to free a young teenager from a baby swing. The incident status was changed to pending closure at 7 um, seven o'clock that evening. Just an hour before, on the same day, fire crews rescued a 13-year-old in Lempster and a 12-year-old in Redditch, who were both trapped in baby swings. There have been previous reports across the country of teens getting stuck in baby swings as part of a baby swing challenge on social media platform TikTok. <laughs> Robin Walker is to step down as Worcester's MP at the next election. The MP, who has represented the city for 13 years, has announced he will not contest the next general election. Mr Walker, who was selected as parliamentary candidate in 2006 and first elected in 2010, said he feels he has achieved many of the things he set out to do in Parliament. But now he wants to prioritise his family and let someone else step forward as Conservative candidate for Worcester. Mr Walker's top priorities in Parliament have been to secure investment in Worcester's NHS, schools and infrastructure as 
infrastructure as well as to support businesses and the economy. In a letter to the chair of the Worcester Conservative Association, Mr Walker highlighted investments at the Worcestershire Royal Hospital, including the £15 million upgrade to its A&E, currently underway, the delivery of fairer funding for schools and new schools for the city, faster rail connections and the delivery of key transport projects such as Worcestershire Parkway and the duelling of the Southern Link Road. He wrote, I have come to the conclusion that my young family needs me to be more present and that the strains of living in two places and weekend commitments involved with the life of an NP are not ones I can continue to sustain. With young children starting school and nursery respectively, I want to be able to take more time to support them and watch them grow up. I will therefore not be seeking re-adoption as the parliamentary candidate for Worcester at the next general election. I am confident that with the strong team you have in place locally and the excellent talent in the party, you will be able to find a strong candidate and with our party leadership in excellent hands, the team will be able to secure a fifth consecutive conservative victory in Worcester. In the meantime, I look forward to continuing my work as local MP and to speak up on ongoing campaigns such as securing funded places at our new medical school and securing the future of the Worcester Warriors in whatever time (coughs) is available ahead of a general election. With my team, I will continue to hold regular surgeries and support constituents wherever possible. The council is set to install more electric vehicle charging points at car parks across the city after winning government funding. A city bid for government on-street residential charging scheme money has been backed by ministers, which makes almost £70,000 available to help cover the cost of installing electric vehicle charging points at two council-owned car parks. A total of £68,560 has been made available to Worcester City Council by the Department for Transport to go alongside 55000 of the Council's own funds to install dual charging points at the city's Tallow Hill and King Street car parks, allowing up to 20 electric charges to be charged at one time across the two sites. The number of charging points across the two parks is slightly lower than previously imagined with council reports from October last year suggesting that new facilities would be provided to charge up to 32 electric vehicles. Last month the council backed a move by Italian restaurant Benedicto's in Sidbury to buy a chunk of land at the neighbouring King Street car park to make way for a two-storey extension which was a loss of two parking places. A total of 18 spaces would be shut for the duration of the year-long work and another six spaces would be lost for at least a month when the payment machines are moved. A third of homes in Worcester do not have access to their own driveway which makes it difficult for some electric vehicle owners to charge their cars at home. The Council's Environment Committee meets in the Guildhall on March the 14th and will be asked to greenlight the move to install more charging points. 
Councillor Andy Stafford, Chair of the Council's Environment Committee, said, Providing more EV charging points is a key element of our environmental sustainability strategy, helping to support the UK's transport future, with the sale of petrol and diesel vehicles being banned from 2030. Our data mapping shows that a significant number of residents who live within walking distance of the Council's Tallow Hill and King Street car parks are likely to own electric cars either now or in the near future, but do not have off-street parking. That makes these two car parks ideal locations for EV charging points. Work to convert, Work to convert a listed building into a hotel has moved forward. Pitmaston House in Worcester is finally being converted into a hotel under plans by Blockworks after years of wrangles between the developer and neighbours over fears that late-night revelry had turned the listed building into a party house. Blockworks, which owns the Grade 2 listed building off Morven Road, has now had to apply again to Worcester City Council for retrospective permission to build two ensuite bathrooms, work which has already been carried out, and convert five existing bathrooms into bedrooms. Last year, a controversial bid to convert the Grade 2 listed building into a hotel was backed by Worcester City Council's planning committee, despite long-standing concerns about disruption. The dis decision came after years of complaints from neighbours who said that shouting, screaming and loud music into the early hours at the short-term let had turned a quiet residential street into a holiday um, resort in Spain. Blockworks was ordered to cancel all future bookings in March last year after it was discovered the building did not have the correct planning permission. Planners said the hotel would have to be staffed 24 hours a day, outdoor music would have to be banned and the outdoor terrace and swimming pool could not be used after 8pm for the plan to be acceptable. The council said it was comfortable with that Blockworks hotel plan was a different beast to previous flat and short-term holiday let plans that had previously been turned down, and that Pitmaston House could be monitored and investigated easier if any problems did crop up in the future. The owners of Pitmaston House had been battling with the council over gaining the correct planning permission for the St John's building after its proposals to convert seven rooms into a mix of residential and holiday flats work that had already been carried out was rejected at the end of 2020. The owners of Pitmaston House were then served with an enforcement notice by the City Council in March last year after continuing to open up the listed building as a guest house and holiday apartments without the correct planning permission. <coughs> New River Cruises set to launch in Evesham as part of the 40th anniversary of the Blossom Trail. Thousands of visitors will soon be flocking to the Vale to take in the 55-mile AA-signed trail, featuring more varieties of blossom than anywhere else in the world. To mark the occasion, 
the valley has partnered with the Avon Navigation Trust to launch the Blossom Trail River Cruises. Witchhaven Tourism Officer Angela Taylor has looked after the trail since it launched in 1984 and has big plans for the anniversary. She said, we have welcomed thousands of visitors over the last four decades and this year they are in for an even bigger treat with these first themed boat trips, Blossom Coach Tours, specially created food and drink, as well as enjoying glorious Worcestershire countryside at its most scenic the arrival of the Blossom is celebrated throughout the area as it represents the start of spring and a successful harvest to come. Businesses along the route get into the spirit of things and people can stop on their way around to enjoy Blossom, Blossom cider, Blossom cream teas as well as Blossom inspired art exhibitions and craft workshops. We even maintain the ancient art of plum charming, whereby a musician serenades the orchards during March to encourage the young buds to blossom. The Valley's retail director, <coughs> Phil McLean, came, who came up with the cruise idea, has chartered Titania from Avon Boating, while the Avon Navigation Trust will provide its new community, new community boat, Corsair, for the trips at the end of April. We were eager to support the Vale Blossom Bonanza and to make a special year in a special way, said Mr McLean. The views from the Avon will add a new whole dimension to the spring spectacular, added ANT Chef, Chief Executive Clive Matthews. It is a journey back in time for Corsair, originally called Frederick, and one of the late Dave Smith's three-boat fleet for Avon Leisure Cruises. Corsair was brought from Evesham Marina by business and music entrepreneur Stuart Miller, whose Towpath Productions gives musicians a free floating stage on the Oxford Canal. When you are facing struggles, problems, frustrations with your dog, the world can feel like a dark place. <coughs> It can get blown out of proportion when you are facing other difficulties in your life too. Your reaction to your dog when they perform the unwanted behaviour can actually be part of what feeds the cycle too. This can be as simple as being deflated, gritting your teeth or of course you may shout or reprimand your dog. And when it feels like the world is working against you, it can be hard not to sometimes. This is a little article about how to be kind or, or look after your dog not kind because i'm sure you're all kind but to how to sort of bear in mind how the dog might feel the main things to stop and remember are behaviors are what are performed as a result of emotions both from people and dogs the more practiced a behavior is the is the more likely it is to be performed and repeated when faced with a certain scenario step back and look at what is happening what emotions may be at the root of your behavior if this is something you suspect is due to fear or anxiety, then consider how you would feel being put in a situation where you are scared and you have found a way to make yourself feel safer. In dogs, likely barking and lunging in a dog or bit or worse, snapping and biting. If the person you were living with then decided to tell you off every time you made yourself feel safer when feeling scared, this would not make you feel better. You would either perceive it as something that's causing additional fear and insecurity or you would think that they were also joining in with the shouting. 
On the other hand, if this is an exciting emotion, maybe when visitors arrive and your dog cannot contain their excitement and jumps up and pesters them constantly and you are telling them off, pushing them down, this can also add to the problem. Looking, talking and touching. Stop, down, off, looking at them and pushing them away are all forms of reward to the dog as they are getting a reaction and energy from you. These are two of the most common issues and problems I see where our frustration and our natural need to try and correct the behaviour has actually become part of the problem. Ask yourself the following questions. Has it worked so far? Has what I've been doing worked and the dog has stopped doing these things? How can I prevent them from doing it before it starts? And what can we do instead to help? Are my emotions, frustration, anger, defeat, annoyance part of the picture? Sit down and think what is really happening, taking a step back and don't let your emotions play a part here. Mentally note the answers to the above questions and then think about how much easier life could be if you could overcome this issue. Make a realistic plan to improve it, not forgetting the prevention part, e.g. dog on lead when visitors come, etc. Um, and you'll be finding that things sort themselves out quite, quite quickly. Put the plan into motion and stick with it. Nothing will change overnight, but small steps of progress are positive and achievable. It's important that you also spend time doing things with your dog that make you smile and have mutual enjoyment. A quiet walk away from people and dogs are a good or a good cuddle on the sofa in front of the TV or listening to music. Take time for you and your dog to smile, time out and to just breathe and be together. A dilapidated building on London Road <coughs> has been criticised by councillors, but the owner says plans are moving forward. The carpet factory building at the corner of Fort Royal Hill and overlooking London Road has been empty since 2016. Councillor Lynn Denham and Councillor uh, Jabba Rias, Worcester City Councillors for Cathedral Ward, are concerned over the state of the building and believe it may pose a health risk. Councillor Denham said it looks absolutely awful and it is right next to one of our green flag parks and within view of the cathedral. We have been in touch with planning enforcement officers at the City Council and they now have a meeting with the owner of the building. We are hoping they will be able to get them to improve it and bring the standard up because it has been totally neglected for years now. Councillor Jabarias echoed the comments, saying residents are concerned over the state of the building. He said, residents are concerned about the state of the building and whether it poses a health and safety risk. We have real concerns regarding the ownership and we are raising these concerns. Developer Peter Stiles was previously given planning permission to turn the building into flats. Despite years of delays, Mr Stiles has confirmed plans are moving forward on the project. He said things are definitely moving forward. It is easy to stand on the sidelines and complain, but there are always lots of intricacies involved in the planning process and of course Covid delayed things massively as well. I have a pre-arranged meeting with the head of the planning planning on Thursday March the 9th and I still have planning consent from several years ago with a plan to still turn it into flats and housing. If we can reconfigure 
and renovate the building rather than knocking it down. This would be my preferred plan. After the pandemic, there were other projects that became more of a priority, but my intention is to sort the building out as soon as possible. A spokesperson for Worcester City Council said they are aware of the concerns surrounding the building. They said, based on our own information, we don't believe this building is currently occupied, but we are aware of the concerns surrounding its appearance and condition, and our planning officers have arranged a meeting with the building's owner to discuss its future. In previous years, the building has been two different Indian restaurants and also the Little uh, little Sauce Factory pub. The streets will be lined with thousands of people as Worcester Carnival is set to make its comeback this year. Organisers of the popular charity event are urging performers and traders to apply and take part in the festivities set to take place on Saturday, July the 1st. About 9,000 people visited the city centre in 2022 after a two-year hiatus due to COVID-19 and preparations for this year's event have started. Although organisers have not yet revealed this year's theme, the parade will be making its way through the streets and traders will be able to set up a stall or a pitch at Carnival Village on Pitchcroft Racecourse. Traders will be selling artisan food, drink or crafts for visitors to enjoy. A spokesperson from the Worcester Carnival team said, For traders, there are amazing opportunities in our Carnival Village. This may be a stall or a pitch. Thousands of visitors flock to Carnival Village on Pitchcroft Racecourse. There will be the opportunity to trade throughout the day, selling local artisan food, drink and crafts, or showcase the amazing work your charity or organisation does in our community. The theme for this year has not yet been revealed, but last year's theme was Celebration. Over 30 different groups took part last year and the crowd was wowed by dancers, street entertainers and costumed characters. An array of performances took place at the Guildhall last year. Onlookers watched a street dance performance by Beak Breakers, which was followed by a King Charles impersonator. Families and visitors also enjoyed a circus skills show, stilt walkers or a Punch and Judy's show. Throughout the day, carnival goers enjoy live performances, a children's fair, a climbing wall, inflatables, food and craft stalls and several sporting activities, including the ever-popular football tournament. People are also able to enjoy fairground rides, inflatables, market stalls with Worcestershire charities, crafts, food and drink. The event is funded (coughs) through grants, fundraisers and sponsorships and Worcestershire's businesses also play a huge part in pulling the event together every year. Work to clear a wild jungle in a former Worcester play park is not expected to begin until the summer after concerns about wildlife. The wilderness of Woodmancote in Warndon is scheduled to be cleared from August by the landowner's sanctuary, working with wildlife experts and could make a home for allotments. The park had become overgrown with thick brambles and nettles and had fallen victim to fly tippers. There was children's play equipment in the park, but this was removed in 2008. 
Diggers moved in late last year, but work ceased over concerns about hibernating hedgehogs. A pushchair, office seat, bin bags, a paint roller, toilet roll and soggy beer crates are just a sample of the items dumped in the encroaching undergrowth. Councillor Jill Desiree, Warden's Labour councillor, said it will take over a year from start to finish with many exciting changes and developments being discussed. Landowners' sanctuary housing are working in conjunction with Worcestershire Wildlife Trust and the local school and community. The plan is to clear much of the area. At the moment, clearance has been paused to protect wildlife. Initially, hibernating hedgehogs were a concern and now there is the bird nesting season to consider. No intrusive works will be conducted until the end of August. In the meantime, there will be a survey of local options on how to develop the site. A QR code will be circulated through street letters and by working with the Cranham Primary School. Supporting the local wildlife and the provision of allotments are some of the ideas being discussed and we welcome other thoughts. One concern is antisocial behaviour and vandalism. Whilst everyone I have spoken to supports the tidy up, there are worries about the misuse of the site. We will be exploring various options and ensuring that the space is owned by the local community in an, is an, that's an important part of this. There will be a summer fun day in August 2023 on a newly cleared space with games and refreshments to encourage local participation in the planning. We would like this to be part of the Worcester Festival and we will be joining Worcestershire Wildlife Trust to discuss nature and rewilding. I do hope people will be able to gain a better feel for the various ideas and the scale of the site. Robin Walker, MP, has praised fantastic government initiative to make sporting opportunities in schools equal for boys and girls. On International Women's Day, Wednesday, March the 8th, the government is setting out new standards for equal access to sports, making it clear that the girls and boys should be offered the same sports during PE and extracurricular time in schools. The package is said to help boost equal opportunities in school and both inside and outside the classroom, delivering on promises made by Prime Minister Rishi Sunak and Education Secretary um, Gillian Keegan to the Women's Euro 22 winners, the Lionesses. Robin Walker MP for Worcester has welcomed the news and the impact it would have on his constituency. He said this is fantastic news and a matter I have been campaigning for a long time now. I pushed physical education as a minister at the Department for Education and continue to do so, both as the member for Worcester and as chair of the Education Select Committee. I recently met with the primary PE and sport premium lead for Worcestershire, after which I wrote to the Chancellor and made the case for better allocation of the sports premium in a way that will give schools clarity about their funding arrangements going forward. I am glad that this call has been heard and acted upon so quickly. I will be working to ensure that this money is put to good use in Worcester to ensure boys and girls enjoy equal access to these many great opportunities. Schools that successfully deliver equal opportunities for girls and boys will be rewarded through the school's games mark, which will... 
sorry, in provision of PE and extracurricular sport. Prime Minister Rishi Sunak said last year the Lionesses' victory changed the game. Young girls know when they take to the pitch that football is for them and thanks to the Lionesses, they too could be part of the next generation to bring it home for their country. We want schools to build on this legacy and give every girl the opportunity to do the same sports as boys, as well as provide a minimum of two hours of PE. This means every child can benefit from regular exercise and we are proud to provide them with the support needed to do so. Police cordoned off a towpath and road after an unexploded bomb was pulled from the canal. West Mercia police were called to Offerton Lane in Hindlip and set up a 200 metre cordon. The discovery was made shortly after a 10.30am on Sunday, March the 5th. Specialists made the unexploded ordnance safe before the road was reopened at 1pm. A spokesperson for West Mercia Police said a 200-metre cordon was put in place as a precaution, which included a road closure, explosive ordnance disposal specialists attended, and the device was made safe. The road reopened at around 1pm. In December, the explosive ordnance disposal team safely carried out a controlled explosion on a 15-pound First World War artillery shell that was found by magnet fishermen in the River Severn. South Quay, by the River Severn in Worcester, was cordoned off and emergency services were called to the scene. The explosion was conducted on farmland in Worcestershire. And that's the final story for our articles this evening. Uh, and so I shall be reading the obituaries in one moment. But uh, we will say goodnight now uh, to Sue and Janet. Good night. Good night. And now for the thought for the week. This is from John 10, verses 9 to 10. Jesus said, I am the gate. Whoever enter through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And now the obituaries for this week. Tom Prosser, formerly of Defford, passed away on February the 25th, aged 78 years. His funeral will take place on March the 22nd at the Vale Crematorium, Fladbury, at 12 noon. Donations, if desired, are invited for St Richard's Hospice, Cancer Research UK and Camden Home Nursing Home uh, and they may be sent to E Hill and Son, Funeral Directors, Pershaw, WR10 1HZ. Anthony Davis, known as Tony, he died peacefully on the 7th of February, aged 75 years. His funeral service will take place on the 30th of March at Worcester Crematorium at 2.30pm. Family flowers only, but donations, if desired, can be sent directly to Worcester Theatres or left in the donation box provided. All inquiries to AV Band Funeral Directors, St John's. Telephone 01905 947 272. 
Bill Orgie, has passed away on the 22nd of February, aged 92 years. His funeral service is at Worcester Crematorium on the 14th of March at 12.15pm. Family flowers only, please, and donations welcomed to Danemere Dog Rescue. The collection plate at the crematorium will be there or sent to Bedwardine Funeral Services, the Coach House Worcester, WR25BT. Elaine Cantle passed peacefully away on 22nd of February, aged 75 years. The funeral service will take place at the Church of St Giles, Breeden, on Monday, March the 20th at 12 noon. Family flowers only, but donations in Elaine's memory are invited for St Richard's Hospice, and these may be sent to E Hill and Son, Funeral Directors, Pershaw, WR10 1HZ. Norman Rawlings passed away on February the 26th. In his sleep at home, he was 88 years old. A funeral service will take place at Pershaw Cemetery Chapel on Thursday, March the 23rd at 11am, followed by burial in the cemetery. Family flowers only, please. Donations in Norman's memory are invited for Camden Home Nursing, CIO. And these may be sent to E. Hill and Son, Funeral Directors, Pershaw, WR10-1HZ. Diane Jill, or Roan, I think previously Roan, uh, passed peacefully away after a short illness on the 31st of January, aged 68 years. Her funeral service will take place on the 9th of March. Uh, oh, well, that was today at Worcester Crematorium, so that took place today. Family flowers only, please. And it doesn't mention a funeral director with, with this lady, so I'm afraid I can't help you any more with that. But if you do know her, maybe a, a courtesy call to the family would be, be very much appreciated. Um, Gladys Harriet Tompkins passed away on the 6th of February, aged 91. Her funeral service is at Worcester Crematorium, tomorrow at 10th of March at 12.15pm. Family flowers only, but donations to Cancer Research UK if desired via Bedwardine Funeral Services and their telephone number is 01905 748811. And Tony Price died peacefully on the 15th of February, aged 81 years. His service is to t of uh, funeral services to take place at Worcester Crematorium on Wednesday the 5th of April at 12.15. Family flowers only, but donations can be made to St Richard's Hospice, who cared so lovingly for Tony. Now again, there's no mention of the funeral director, so I would think perhaps if you rang the crematorium, or maybe if you knew the family, one of the members of the family would help there. And then... The final person is Frank Perkins, who died peacefully on the 23rd of February, aged 95 years. His funeral will take place at the Vale Crematorium, Fladbury, on the 13th of April at 2pm. Family flowers only, please, but donations to Gold Hill Rest Home, Morven. All inquiries to Holland Funeral Directors, 01684 575 343. And our thoughts go out to all those 
people's families and friends in their sadness at this at that particular time and uh, we do send our very fondest thoughts <laughs> 